eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their All right. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs time. Someone should tell the Cubs the playoff start time. Braves got the memo time. Cade May's pretty excited right now. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here late on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, we. Probably should have gotten this podcast out a little bit earlier today, but uh, that's okay. We're going to get it out on Thursday in time, hopefully, for your commute home. Not just me on this podcast. Going to have Ryan Callahan in the second segment uh, of this podcast, but uh, we're going to scrape the bottom of the barrel here in the first segment. We're going to go to uh, the Blunt County Satellite Office of Go Boss 24-7. Go to our own Grant Ramey. What's up, Grant? Get the bad stuff out of the way first, and then I think that's how it works in the entertainment business. Leave the good stuff last and People have to stick around. Yeah, the problem with that is Ryan's last. So, well, I set a pretty bar, low bar. So it's like starting with vegetables. Step over it. It's like starting with vegetables and then ending with like a cough syrup or something. I don't know. It's it's not. It's not. I mean, it's not really palatable uh, any way you put it. But uh, hey, that's life at Go Boss twenty four seven. That's another one of it's our a great slogans. preview for this podcast. That's okay, another people can't wait to listen. Does uh, what, what slogan works better? Would it be uh? It's like eating your vegetables and then cough syrup, or uh, we can't buy your love, but we can buy your happiness. Which one would be would work better? Uh, the second one, the grandparenting one. We'll go with that. Uh, big news for Tennessee football this week, and we're going to spend a good section of the, the first segment of this podcast talking about this. Uh, Cade Mays, Knoxville's own Cade Mays, uh, eligible to play for the Vols this season, the former five-star prospect from Knoxville Catholic High School who started for a couple years at Georgia transferred back home to Tennessee and in order to play for Tennessee, uh, in order to, to play with his brother who, who was uh, his freshman, Cooper Mays, and, and play at the same school that his father, Kevin Mays, played at, Cade Mays had to go through uh, a bunch of loopholes. Uh, and, and at first he was uh, denied at pretty much every step. He had to get NCAA clearance. Uh, at first the NCAA said no uh, for the instant eligibility waiver. Then NCAA comes back on appeal and says, yes, he can play this season. Uh, but then, because it's an SEC to SEC transfer, there was a second level he had to go through. He had to get clearance from the conference office. And at first, Greg Sankey was surprisingly tone deaf on this. Uh, there were a few issues. 
Uh, one with Cade Mays, the other with Gatewood, the quarterback going to Kentucky, also a defensive player uh, who transferred from Georgia to Ole Miss. Uh, he originally said that uh, he saw no reason for the SEC to change its rules, and, and he, didn't, he didn't know what, what would be any different this time. Fast forward one week later, and, and all of a sudden he changes his mind. The statement comes out, and now Cade Mays is eligible to play for Tennessee. So just like we thought, Grant, right, uh, just a pretty seamless month. Exactly, exactly how we thought it would uh, play out. But, I mean, kudos, or let's quote Philip Fulmer, kudos, kudos to kudos. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey for, you know, a lot of times it seems like common sense isn't followed in a lot of these situations, especially when it comes to the NCAA or, you know, matters of, of college athletics. This is obviously the NCAA had already approved this, and this was an SEC deal. Uh, but, yeah, a week ago when, when Greg Sankey said what he said and basically pointed the finger at the 14 teams in the league and said, y'all voted on this rule, this is the rule, it's how it is. I mean, you kind of throw everything out the window in 2020. Nothing uh, has gone to plan in this year. And it didn't make sense to penalize kids literally in a year where eligibility is not a thing that exists. This is a free year for everybody. It didn't make sense to hold somebody back and say, you can't play when everybody else on the field is playing and it's costing them nothing. So uh, I think it's a credit to them for um, kind of, I don't know, doing a, a, an about face here, 180 kind of, and saying, you know, throw everything out and let these kids play. Uh, it's good for Kentucky. It's good for Ole Miss. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the league that this helps. Uh, Tennessee is one of those. Um, they already had a good offensive line. Now they have a better offensive line. They already had good depth, good personnel on the offensive line. Now they're uh, another big body. Uh, another really quality option up there, uh, and they should be the offensive line that that everybody's been expecting them to be all summer. Yeah, and, and I don't. I guess I don't need to say too much about this because we've gone over this case kind of ad nauseum, both on the site and also here on the podcast for the past several months about how how this could go, how this should go. I think uh, this is a decision that should have made, been made well before this week. I've been on record saying that. Uh, but better late than never, uh, and it's not like this came. Uh, my conspiracy theory was it would come after the Georgia game is they would decide, okay, now Kentucky has played Auburn, Tennessee's played Georgia. Okay, now we'll right. let these guys. Florida's played, uh, you know, whatever. You know, we'll go ahead. Now let's go ahead and do this. And, I, you know, I was kind of joking about that, but then I thought, well, maybe that's what, really what they're going to do here because it seemed like they had to let them play at some point or at least make a ruling saying nothing has changed or at least say definitively, no, you cannot play. Uh, but this coming after only one game, Tennessee won the game, so I guess it could be worse. Now Mays gets, uh, you know, if he gets a chance to play this week, which he should, uh, he'll get a chance to, to kind of get some rhythm with the offensive line before going into the Georgia game. So I'm not going to say that it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just a good thing that came one week too late. It's something the league should have been prepared for, uh, but it's here uh, and it's the right ruling, and I, and I think justice was was sort of served here, and that's good. Now my question, Grant, is what this means for Tennessee's offensive line because that's a group that, you know, you watch film, I, I don't think it played that bad against South Carolina. I think that, um, you know, Garantano got pressured a couple times, but but more often than not, he, you know, he had enough time to do what he needed to do. Uh, I thought the running backs missed a couple plays that could have been there for some bigger plays. Um, they got him to the second level a few times. I think that's a pretty solid group already, and now you add him, and all of a sudden changes things, doesn't it? Yeah, it changes a lot. I mean, it, it could strengthen up a offensive line that was already pretty strong. I agree. Watching that South Carolina game, the offensive line uh, wasn't was far from the biggest problems Tennessee had uh, over the course of that game. I think it's a 
Uh, I left that game thinking you need to establish a run more. I mean, Jared Grantano missed on passes. He, you know, he played a decent game. He accounted for a lot of yards and touchdowns and uh, didn't turn the ball over. But when you left that game, you're thinking, I think this seems better. Uh, if you commit more to the run, if you establish that run early, uh, I think you're better on third down if you have more running success. And I think that's where the strength of this offensive line should be. I think it should be a very good uh, offensive line in both uh, in the run game and the pass game. Uh, but with the talent you have at running back, with sometimes a quarterback that can miss some throws, um, I think you want to establish a run more and more consistently and commit to it more. Uh, and adding a guy like Cade Mays uh, just helps you do that. I mean, they, they, they played decently at South Carolina. They should play that much better against Missouri assuming he jumps into the fold and he's ready to go. He has been working with them uh, for the last however many weeks. It's been seven weeks since they kind of got back into the camp mode. Uh, so hopefully he can step right in uh, kind of seamlessly and, and not miss any more time or not be any further delayed uh, than he already was by this rule. Yeah, it's fine. I, funny, I, I was kind of laughing when I when I listened to, to Vol calls this week. I mean, there's never a reason to not laugh at Vol calls, uh, as we all know, but – there was a caller, a couple callers who kept saying, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just run the damn ball? And I remember, right. I remember being a kid in this area and listening to vol calls. And so many times you would hear callers say, why don't we just throw the damn ball more? You know, why are we being so conservative? And and now you hear vol calls call, you know, saying, well, why not, why not just, why don't you just run the damn ball? And, and so time is a flat circle. It, it is it's a circle of life. It moves us all as Elton John told us. But uh, I mean, I, I look at now, it's interesting because I get why when you only have two proven running backs, it's tough because you know you're going to need both of those guys for the full season if you can have them, right? So you, you can't just give the ball to them a billion times each right. game. On the other hand, though, those are two of your best playmakers, and you absolutely have to get them the ball as much as possible. So that this is where that, that Tim Jordan thing I think now becomes – you know, uh, a bit more of a concern for Tennessee because there there could be – you would rather have more depth and they need to build more depth there. But they also need to use those two guys and they need to use that offensive line in that way. So it, it, it kind of in a tough spot there, I guess, but but one where still you probably have to lean toward, well, go play the game and go, go, try, to, go try to win the game. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of – Potential and upside at wide receiver. I liked what I saw against South Carolina there. I think that group has uh, a promising future. But I think right now the safer bet is to have the hands, uh, the ball in the hands of Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. And you're right, you can't give them 40 touches a game and expect them to be fine. I mean, it's it's going to take a toll on them, and they're trying to get those freshman running backs up to speed and in, in a spot where they can provide some depth. Get back Lynette Whitehead at some point. Maybe he can do something in terms of depth. Uh, I mean, they moved D. Beckwith there the last couple of weeks at camp because they needed that depth. Uh, obviously, that's a concern. Yeah, Tim Jordan, if you added Tim Jordan to the mix with those two guys you got right now, that would be really, really good depth. But that's not the, the situation Tennessee's in. So, uh, yeah, you have to walk a fine line between, you know, committing to the run but not overcommitting to the run and putting yourself in a bad spot if something happens or if you wear these guys down. It is a, a 10-game season with a, a bye week in the middle, but it's a all-SEC 10-game season. It's not going to be easy. Um duration wise getting through this season and so yeah you want to keep developing those wide receivers and, and build on what we saw at South Carolina but you also want to give your playmakers a chance to make plays now the interesting thing to me Grant is is I don't know if Cade Mays will start or not we'll see I mean I think we know that 
if you make any list of Tennessee's five best offensive linemen, he's probably on that list. But, you know, he, he's been running with the second team a lot in camp. Uh, he, he's been, you know, because they didn't know for sure if he was going to be eligible. And so so we'll see if he just go, goes ahead and slides in there to the starting five or if he gets mixed in and, and kind of maybe works his way up the depth chart that way. Bottom line is, uh, if he does get into that first team lineup, where does he play? Uh, because this is a guy who I, I've seen him take reps at center, but but basically he's a guard and tackle. He can play at least four of the five spots up front. Uh, I would imagine that after watching Tennessee play last week, you would think that they're pretty satisfied what they have on the left side. If Trey Smith is healthy, and then you got either Jameer Johnson and or Wanya Morris at tackle, you feel pretty good there. So if anywhere, Mays looks likely to, to sneak in somewhere there on the right side. I don't know if that's guard, tackle. He could play either, couldn't he? Yeah, and, and shout out Patrick Brown for the VIP uh, analysis that broke this down really well, where Cade Mays should kind of slot in where he could play. Uh, Patrick mentioned the two tackle spots, uh, but he focused on the right side. Uh, I think one of the, the ways Patrick phrased it, uh, if you want to use Mays to strengthen uh, the weakest spot on your line rather than play him maybe at his best spot, I think he would probably be better suited at right guard, uh, but maybe use him at right tackle to, to strengthen that spot where you might need some help. Um, either, either place on the right side, the quicker that he can get in there and help you, uh, the better, because obviously he's a talented kid. He's shown that at Georgia uh, over, the, over the course of his career there. Um, so uh, it's good that he's versatile. It's good that they've kind of got their strengths on the left side a little bit, and you know what you're getting out of Brandon, Brandon Kennedy at center, and now let him focus on the right side uh, and find a home, find whatever whatever five best has been working in camp. Uh, roll with that because that's what you know, and, and this whole season is a lot of unknowns. Yeah, I like – I like uh, – I've said this several times. I like Karon Calbert. Uh, I think that Carvin is a guy who can help you. I think that Riley Locklear is a guy who, given a chance, uh, can help you. Uh, but, but I think if you're Tennessee and you're looking about winning right now, uh, I, I think from what we've seen and, and what we know of Cade Mays from his future, assuming that he meshes in with this group, I think Mays and Darnell Wright are probably your two best options out there. But then it becomes a question of – okay, which one's better at guard, which one's better at tackle? Because they're both ideally probably right guards, but one of them would have to play tackle, right? Right, but it's a good problem to have. It's, it's a good problem to have talented, versatile offensive linemen um, that you have to figure out what's the best spot to put them in rather than uh, reaching and, and trying to look for somebody that can help you. It's, it's, it's good to have these options and the versatility there where uh, he could strengthen, he could help you a lot in a lot of different ways. Grant, before we step out of here for the first segment, I, I want to talk a little bit about Missouri. Obviously, that's Tennessee's home opener coming up on Saturday. And, and, and it looks to me like uh, – and I talked to Dave Matter, uh, who covers um, who covers Missouri, has covered Missouri for years, now covers Mizzou for uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. And uh, the guy knows that program very well. And I asked him point blank, you know, with, with seeing so little – you know, this is a first-year coaching staff, uh, Eli Drinkwitz and his staff. They get there in January, and then they don't get a spring practice, right? And, and then you go into camp where the media doesn't get to see anything, and then the first game is at home, good news, but it's against Alabama, bad news. And, and so Mizzou kind of, as expected, you know, gets its clocks clean there in the first half. Uh, then Bama in the second half starts putting in the, some second and third teamers, and Mizzou gets a couple of late scores. Um but long story short, I asked him point blank, what do you really know about this team and what it could be? And, and he said candidly, I don't know yet. 
So when you watch that Mizzou Alabama game, I know there was some you know some some carryover there with the Tennessee game, and so it was hard to see both. You had to kind of go DVR and go back and look at it. Um, but I watched some of it and. and it's hard for me to know what to make of this Missouri team because I do see some players there. I think they tackle well on defense. I think they play hard. Um, but when your first game is against Alabama, as a new coaching staff, what do you really know about your team? Yeah, as much as I would like to buy into what Jeremy Pruitt has said over and over this week, they won the second half against Alabama and they kind of played well and held their own uh, after halftime. It was also, what, 38-3 in that game, I believe, yeah. 38-6, to six, something like that, yeah, early three. in the second quarter. Um, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. Uh, I think he, uh, if I was a Missouri fan, I would, I would kind of, I would like what, you know, what he's done in the past mm-hmm. and what I think he can do in rather short order in the SEC West. Obviously, that's not going to be easy. But I mean, just looking back at his App State team, they went to South Carolina last year and won. They went back to North, they went to North Carolina in September and won. I think they were the first. Uh, what conference is that? I can't even remember. Sun Belt. Sorry, yeah. they were the first the, Sun Belt the, team. The hashtag Fun Belt. The Fun Belt, they're the first Fun Belt team to win two Power Five games in a single season. So, and that was his first year there. He went thirteen and one in his first year there, and they were undefeated on the road. So, uh, I think you have to like what you see in him down the road. But yeah, any what this Missouri team is, what it's going to be, uh, is anybody's guess because he is a first year coach at a new program, uh, coming off the last seven months that we came off of, where there's no spring balls, very weird fall camp. There's no, you know a very different summer. Um, also, shout out Alive for being one of the uh, six degrees of separation from the 2017 coaching search. Do you remember when his name was popping up in 2017? I do. I do. I do. And we were yeah. like, who is this dude at North Carolina State, and why are they talking about him? Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when your name gets passed around those circles and the agents and the AD start talking, you're going to go somewhere. It's just a matter of time. And, and his name was one of those ones that had been popping up as a guy who was young, energetic, had some good ideas offensively, bright offensive mind. He kind of was one of those guys who was, I don't want to say fast track because he's put in the work, but but he's still relatively young. And yeah, He was coaching high there. school football in Arkansas, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. 11 I mean, years ago. That's true. Uh, and Jeremy Pruitt was coaching high school football in Alabama, what, like 10, 12 years ago, something like that? So high school coaches are getting the glow up going from yeah. high school coordinators to $4 million at Mizzou. Everybody's, everybody's got to start somewhere. But, but I mean, my, my, my point was that it, it's hard to know, and I don't want to put Alabama on some pedestal and say that, that you can't beat that team. I, I mean, Saban and those guys have lost games. There, there's no question about that. Uh, but we all know athletically just how big – fast, strong, tough that team is, usually play with pretty good discipline. Uh, It's like I don't want to say that they and Clemson are kind of on their own planet, but at times it almost feels that way. Like you got to play such a perfect game to beat those guys, and that's if you're a pretty darn good team to begin with. So if you're Mizzou, I don't know that you really know much of anything right now. And what does that mean for Tennessee? It means I don't know necessarily what to expect from this game at all. No, and maybe you look at Arkansas last week and, and the way they were able to play with Georgia for a half. Uh, maybe that's a, a sign of you don't really know what this team is and it's kind of hard to prepare for that team in a first-year head coach. Uh, the same situation for Missouri. Um, the bottom line is Tennessee went to South Carolina one Saturday night. South Carolina is a better football program, better roster right now. Obviously, the Missouri is. They, they just started over for a reason. So regardless of, you know, it is difficult to kind of watch that Alabama game and try to figure out what you're going to get from Missouri. I mean, they're going to play two quarterbacks. They got Larry Roundtree back for his 47th year of eligibility. Um, they got yeah, all these. He, 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 he and Tyler Badir are both old. Yeah. 
He what? He he and Badi, the the backup, are both seem like they've been there forever. Right. It seems like they they've been there since since he started playing them in 2012 uh, when they came to the SEC. But uh, the fact is, this is a game you should win. It's your home opener. Uh, you 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 went and you know you had a tougher test Saturday night, South Carolina. You fast that. Come home, you're a double digit favorite over a first year head coach. You know after the, the coming off a pandemic or in the middle of a pandemic, whatever. It's a game you should win and, and try to go 2-0 and uh, for a really, really huge game at Georgia next week. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you got to remember Georgia State, right? You, you can't uh, – you, you can't imagine that, that, that you know, you can't, you can't be caught looking ahead and assuming that this is just kind of a get-right game because uh, – They're just the team that shall not be named. Yeah, the, the team that shall not be named. But like uh, Michigan's the team up north. Yeah, but the team that shall not be named. But the the memory that shall live forever, right? Uh, the memory remains, right. uh, as a as a Metallica song might say. Uh, but yeah, Grant, th- I think that's where it is. I mean, I think they should be okay this weekend. But you never really know. I mean, you know, if you're Missouri, you might want to say, let's just keep it very vanilla against Bama. We know what's going on there. Let's really throw some stuff against the wall against Tennessee. Right. I mean, strategically, that would be a smart play. If I were Missouri, if I were on the Missouri staff, I'd be like, "Well, we kind of get a hall pass for game one. Let's just go ahead and get some guys loose and you know try some stuff, see how they do with the lights on, keep it vanilla. Then let's really throw some stuff out there against Tennessee because that's a game that if the ball bounces our way, we could win. So that's what I would think about. But um, Grant, anything else before I let you go? Anything else this week that's caught your attention? Anything else about this game that uh, or the setup that uh, that really kind of caught your eye? It's been rather drama free, which is strange. Knock on wood. Football start the season one and zero, going into a winnable game two. See what happens. Get some good news on Wednesday with Hayden Mays getting eligible. So I don't know. Yeah, knock on wood if you're a Tennessee fan. I would knock on wood right now, but if I did that, then uh, Gus would think I was the, it was the front door, and he would probably start barking again. So I would knock on wood, but I'm surrounded by drywall and faux wood. <laughs> There you go. Can you knock on faux wood? Does that count? I'm not really sure. I don't know. If it's a close game Saturday, just punt the ball away, punt it off, aim for somebody's leg, recover the fumble, and get out of town. And actually, don't get out of town. Stay in town. Two and no. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Grant, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. See ya. Guys, we're going to step away for a quick second, pay some bills, listen to products and, and ads and product services, all those other fun things. And we're going to come back from that, and then we're going to talk to Ryan Callahan about Tennessee's matchup with Missouri, uh, Tennessee recruiting a little bit, and uh, see where that conversation goes. So hang with us. We'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, now joined by Ryan Callahan from his house across town. Uh, I'm not going to say undisclosed location like it is with Patrick Brown, but I'm also not going to disclose the location, so... There's a little bit of mystery there. Leave a little bit of room for the Holy Spirit, as they said in Catholic school. Guys, before we get to Ryan, though, I do want to mention, please, please, please go in there. If you get a minute, please go in there, rate and review this podcast. First off, mash that subscribe button, whether you're listening to us uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, uh, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you can cast a fine pod you can find the GoVoss 24-7 podcast. So please go hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review uh, this podcast. Uh, Nothing you can do that will help us more than that. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. But if you could please rate and review, that would help us a lot. Uh, If there's something you want to hear us discuss on this podcast, if there's a topic uh, that's not been discussed that you want to hear or a segment or or something, uh, some sort of an interview, some sort of a, a topic, a game, anything you want to hear us discuss more, please go ahead and you can drop that in there too. Uh, we're not above constructive criticism because as journalists, we would be awfully hypocritical uh, if we con- if we were uh, criticizing others and-, and we're not welcome to criticism on our own end. So please go in there, write an interview. We really appreciate it, uh, and that helps us grow our family. Ryan, now that I've gotten all that out of the way, now that we've gotten the housekeeping done, how are you? How are things at the Casa de Callahan? Yeah, doing great, man. This is still so weird that, you know, two weeks into this, like we haven't see you don't see each other on campus anymore. We don't, we don't see Jeremy Pruitt in person. It's all, I mean, you knew it was going to be weird, but it's still just weird kind of getting into this routine and like, haven't, haven't seen you in a while. It's it, the whole thing's just bizarre. Yeah. I think, uh, our normal setup here in the studio where I've got everyone's microphones, uh, I think those are just like collecting dust right now. Like yeah. I'm going to have to get out of like a rag and like wipe those down basically because yeah. that's, you know, I've uh, added some Philips Hue light bulbs into the uh, studio just to change, uh, give it some more uh, color, have a little something different going on in here uh, because it's just me sitting in this big old office like all the time now. Uh, and, and I would bring uh, Gus in here more, but uh, he would probably bark a lot. So uh, basically, yeah, just us sitting in our homes uh, doing what we can do and uh, trying to get by, uh, but hopefully everyone's staying healthy and safe out there. Um, and I guess it's, Ryan, it's selfishly, it's more time to be with the kids, right? Yeah, it's not so bad. Like, I got to watch a tennis, a cover a Tennessee game and, and hang, out with, hang out with the oldest uh, during the first quarter or so before he went to bed. So, yeah, I mean, you get to, get to do some things like that that you're like, yeah, okay, this isn't typical, but there's some pluses to it, too. Yeah, I taught Gus how to play soccer. I've been doing that recently, and uh, I'm going to put those videos up some sometime on the site because I think y'all will be amazed at the close control uh, that this corgi has dribbling uh, a soccer ball with absolutely no legs. So uh, uh, that's going to be <laughs> something fun for everyone to see. Ryan, before we wrap up and uh, you know this, or before we go into sort of some recruiting stuff and some other stuff about Tennessee, Ramey and I were discussing in the first segment. We ended talking about that Mizzou game, so I kind of want to keep that going for for a minute here. What, if anything, do you make uh, of Mizzou? Because Ramey and I were discussing that, that it, it's weird because you get a new coach there in January, and then you don't get a spring practice, then everybody's got to go away for a while, then you have a weird preseason camp uh, with, with COVID and everything like that, uh, and then your first game is against Alabama. So what, what, what the hell can, can we possibly know about Mizzou right now? 
Well, I, I think you start with, with Larry Roundtree. Uh, that it seems, he's one of those guys that just covering them and not – like we, Mizzou's not one of the SEC teams that I try to watch all the time. I, I don't know. They just still feel like they're not fully an SEC member to me. I, I don't know. I'm just too used to the, the, old, the old teams, you know, that have been there for years, the Floridas and the Georgias and the Alabamas and Auburns, you know. So that's, that's, that's who we true. focus it, more it, on. It took, it took a while with South Carolina and Arkansas too, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. So I – it's not that like I don't know if it's geography that they're not close, you know, that they're not as seen as much of a threat to to most top teams or what, whatever it is. We just that's not a team I go out of my way to watch unless they're playing one of the one of the top teams in in the conference. So like like you know went, went back and saw a little bit of that game Saturday night and against Alabama. So that, I I'll say this: I mean that score Saturday night gets your attention a little bit, and it's crazy to say that, but a 19 point loss even though it included a touchdown on literally the final play of the game to make it look closer than it really was, they, they kept it respectable. And that's not necessarily something everyone expected from that game for Mizzou in its debut, as you said, under those tough conditions with a new coach, no real spring practice, a limited preseason. So, you know, or at least a, a, a not normal preseason, all that stuff. So I, I think you look at that and say, Man, Mizzou might not be that bad. I mean, I, I don't think we can conclude much. And Alabama didn't have a typical opener either. You know, it's, it was a weird week one for everybody. So Alabama probably not firing on all cylinders just yet. But I thought Mizzou, when you look at the numbers across the board, it seemed like they played pretty well, all things considered, and didn't didn't have any catastrophic first game mistakes. So I I look at this and I look back at what Tennessee did against them last year. Jared Garantano played one of the best games of his career yeah. at Mizzou last year threw for more than 400 yards and it still took fighting to the final minutes to, to finish off that game. So this is a game that, I mean, I know people are going to look at that, what 10 and a half point spread or, you know, what maybe it's 13 in some places, Tennessee's a double digit favorite most places right now. And that's, I think they're going to look at that and say, this should be one of Tennessee's easier wins on the schedule. And that's maybe true to some degree because it's a tough conference only schedule sure yeah you look at that schedule mizzou is one of the easiest games that's no disrespect to, to mizzou that doesn't mean it's an easy game it means it's one of the yeah. easiest on the schedule exactly so I, I, that's that's kind of where i am with mizzou is that this is a game tennessee's got to win it's hard to envision tennessee having a good season that that doesn't include a win over missouri but i i, I don't know that this is the pencil in surefire you know comfortable win that a lot of people are probably assuming it is i think mizzou will put up a pretty good fight in this game if i had to guess and i I would I would expect a maybe a little feistier team than people are assuming just based on it being a first year coach and a team that wasn't that good last year. I think this will be a, a tougher test maybe than some people are expecting, but still obviously a game Tennessee's favored to win for a reason. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning toward picking Tennessee to cover, but I don't feel super comfortable about it either. So I don't really know. I mean, I'm picking Tennessee to win the game, but but I I, I don't know that I you know that spread being where it is. I don't know. Uh, exactly what I'm going to do with that yet. And we got to make our picks on the side here pretty soon, so I'm going to have to make a decision. Can't can't sit on this fence much longer. Um, but I'm leaning toward picking Tennessee to cover. But I, I don't know that 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 will be the case. I mean, I, I felt pretty comfortable last week in saying that I thought Tennessee would cover, but barely, and ended up being lucky and getting it right. But I, I don't know about this one because I don't know if I'm Mizzou. I go into that Bama game saying, let's just get everybody loose. Let's just get, you know, nothing to lose. Keep it basic. Go try to make some plays. Maybe throw in a trick play here or there. But just just go ahead and see what the guys do with the lights on. Let, let's see where this thing is. And then the next week against Tennessee, 
all of a sudden get a couple bounces, you could win that game. So I'm going to be much more aggressive in the Tennessee game. But but that's I'm not I'm not Eli Drinkwitz. I'm not I'm not in that program. I'm not around there every day. I don't know exactly what the mood is. But that's what I would do if I were them. I I, I would I would be much more aggressive against Tennessee in week two than I would be against Bama in week one. But I, yeah, I mean, because you still got nothing to lose, but it's a game you actually maybe could win. Right. And this, and that's how Missouri, it's kind of like with South Carolina last week, Missouri has to look at this, you know, while it's one of the easier games on Tennessee's schedule, this is one of the more uh, obtainable games that you could steal on Missouri's schedule. Oh, it's one of the easy, it's one of the easier games on Mizzou's schedule. Mizzou's schedule is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, obviously they don't look at Florida and Georgia being likely upsets. They look at a game like Tennessee and say, Hey, that's one we could get. So this is a big opportunity for Mizzou and, and going on the road, not as big of a factor in this game because you're going to have a you know, socially distanced crowd and all that. So th- it's an easier easier path to maybe pulling an upset. That's how you've got to approach it if you're a team like Missouri. So, yeah, I, I fully expect them to uh, to be going all out in this game. That, that Like you said, you're not conceding anything against Alabama. Uh, in fact, a team like that, when you get to play a team like Alabama at home, uh, you, you're thinking, hey, maybe we can shock the world. That's just how players are. But, uh, but, but more realistically, I think they're looking at this as a game they could take uh, and, and – this be a path to a better than expected season, uh, a better than expected year one under, uh, under Drinkwitz. So I, I think this is a, it's a, it's a pretty tough matchup in some ways. You know, I, I think just looking at the numbers and seeing, seeing what Mizzou has coming back, you know, they're, they're not a loaded team by any means. And again, one of the easier games on the schedule for a reason, but it, you know, they, they've got enough pieces there that if they, if they do some of the things right, they, they took care of the ball pretty well against Alabama they were efficient in the passing game, starting quarterback, you know, completing about 75% of his passes. Roundtree averaged almost five yards a carry. Like, they, they did some things pretty well against Alabama that you take those away and you and you kind of extrapolate that to, to play in Tennessee. You, you've maybe got a chance to hang around in this game a little longer than people think. Yeah, and, and I think also that, that it's – I think Missouri, you know, they, they call themselves D-Line Zoo for a reason. I mean, very few programs in the country have been able, have been better at identifying and developing and producing, you know, the just really good defensive linemen. They, they've done a great job of, of – and I know some of them have been great in the NFL and some of them haven't, but they've been really, really productive, really good defensive linemen uh, that have come from that program. They're not – I don't think they're as good, quite as good up front as they have been in other years, um, but I, I look at that linebacker core in the secondary, and, you know, Bolton's obviously a very good player at linebacker. Um, they, they got a couple of good – you know, at least one good safety. Uh, they got a cornerback who's dinged up this week. We'll see if he's able to play. He, he's a veteran guy who's a good player, and they miss him when he was out uh, when he went out with an injury in the Bama game Um, but I think bottom line is they're gonna make Tennessee make plays Uh, they are very good and they're usually very good Um, they're very secure tacklers on the back end and at linebacker you know in the secondary and linebacker core they really they get to the ball they may not be completely explosive and dynamic but they'll get there and they'll get you on the ground they're gonna make you make plays to beat them so you have to be if you're consistent I think there will be plays there to be made but I don't think they're just gonna give you things either so you're gonna have to put up some points on offense because I think Mizzou will probably score a little bit against Tennessee uh, unless the defense gets a lot better Um, but bottom line is I think Tennessee's favorite for a reason i think tennessee wins the game i, I just you know you, you get you got to remember georgia state you cannot 
be thinking about just making this a get-right game. This has got to be 100% of your focus on this game, winning this game, and then you worry about the, the big one next week. Because if you're Tennessee, you are not good enough right now to overlook anyone on this schedule, period. You're just not. Because Tennessee uh, was fortunate in some ways after that second half to come out of that South Carolina game with a win. But with yep. that said, Ryan, here's what I want to ask you. Coaches talk all the time about, you know, it's kind of a cliche, your biggest improvement is from week one to week two, right? I mean, every coach says that. I wonder if in this year that's a little bit different. I talked to Pat about this a few days ago, Patrick Brown, our, our coworker. Uh, I, I said, I wonder if this is going to be one where, like, maybe week three or week four is your biggest improvement um, because you're kind of almost – the first game for some of these teams is almost like a scrimmage in, in camp because of how little they were able to do at times. Uh, so I, I think this is almost like the real opener in a sense because I think you're just behind schedule a little bit. So I, I wonder how much improvement and where Tennessee tangibly uh, can and where we should expect Tennessee to improve in, in week two. Yeah, it, you could you could take that either way because I, I wondered the same thing. You know, I, I could you could almost make the argument that. The, the jump from week one to week two could be bigger than ever because last week was so much just settling in for Tennessee, especially with all the guys that they just got back, you know, during game week last week, leading up to that South Carolina game. It, it makes me wonder if, if, you know, having Jalen McCullough back for a full game and guys like that, you know, do, does that make this team that much better in this game? Could you see significant improvement? And I think the answer for Tennessee is you better hope so, because in a lot of ways they, they didn't play extremely well last week you know you and I were I think we were all pretty I, I, I'd say impressed in a way by, by what Tennessee did Saturday night given what they had dealt with during the preseason sure but at the same time it was obviously a game where they they have a lot to improve on from that performance you know they they can't play that way and expect to beat some of the better teams in the SEC they got to clean some things up defensively they've got to obviously clean some things up in the passing game they've got to run it a little better in some cases um, you know, they, they had plenty to work on coming out of that game, but the important thing is they could work on it with a win. So now, yeah, do we see a bigger jump from, from this, that first game to the second one? I, I think you could see, obviously, Garantano is where a lot of people are going to start. I, I think Jared Garantano played pretty well overall when you look at what he did against South Carolina. He didn't, but make, the, people, he didn't make the catastrophic mistakes. Exactly. He, didn't, he took care of the ball. He didn't, he didn't put you in any truly terrible situations. He didn't panic, uh, and, and that that whole team didn't panic. But he didn't panic and make some make you know try to make some plays that weren't there and, and get himself into trouble. He just missed some throws that were there. Um, so he could have had what was a pretty good day. Could have been a really good day if he'd hit on some throws. So can he take that step? Can he start to show? You know, can, let, let's face it. This is a team he threw for 400 yards against last year. You know, can he can he have a, a similar performance? in a game like this, or even just a, you know, 250 or 300 solid day, you know, a couple touchdown passes. Can he take another step in, in terms of efficiency and help Tennessee's offense sort of find uh, find its groove in this game? Um, I, I, on defense, I think there's plenty to clean up there. You know, you got maybe a little bit better play out of the defensive line than it sounded like they did during preseason. You know, can that group continue to, to improve? Can the secondary obviously have a better day? You know, Shai Smith really picked Tennessee apart back there. Um, and had a big day against the Vols. Can can some of those guys like Danico Slaughter uh, settle in? You know, does Jalen McCullough playing for a full game again make, make a difference? That getting Bryce Thompson back at corner for a full game instead of working him at safety. 
you know, does all that help? I think you could see some, some, some significant improvement at, on that side of the ball, especially. And, and I think Colin Hill played pretty well for South Carolina and really challenged them in some areas too, that, that maybe Missouri's not as well equipped to do what we'll find out more about Missouri's passing game this week. But, but definitely, I think uh, th- there's, there's reason to expect better play on that side of the ball, except the pass rush, which was obviously really good last week. They just got to get more of that from DeAndre Johnson, Kevon Bennett, and those guys. And then I think the, the other thing I look for is, you know, the, we saw them play a pretty good number of guys in that game last week. I, it sounds like from hearing Jeremy Pruitt's comments, though, they want to play even more guys. They want to get T. Hodge and Jabari Small into the game on offense. You know, they want to maybe mix in those freshman receivers a little bit more when they're ready. Um, you know, there's, there's still an opportunity for them to expand that rotation a little bit. And you've got to get guys ready this year, maybe more than ever before, because you have to be ready in case COVID, you know, rip, rips apart a position group uh, this year. You might be starting a third teamer at some point unexpectedly because you had four or five guys get, uh, get picked apart by contact tracing. So you, you've got to have more guys ready than ever before. And I wonder if, you know, this is one of those games on the schedule that, like we said, because it looks a little easier, you don't take anything for granted by any means, but do you try to rotate a little more in this game to get some guys some experience that going into Georgia, going into some of those later games, this is a game to get some guys' feet wet and see what you have at some positions maybe. So I, I could see a little bit of that too. I think that's an interesting storyline to follow this week. How much do we see the, the Javantes Spragginses and the – the Jalen Hyatts. How much do those guys play in this game compared to week one? Yeah, I've got about a quickly about a handful of things that I'm really, really looking for in this game. And I, I didn't, I meant to actually put these down on paper, but I think I've got a pretty decent mental list here of the, the like the, the bullet points of things I'm looking for for Tennessee in this game in terms of improvement, tweaks, and things like that. Number one for me, number one with the bullet, what does, what happens to the O line with Cade Mays in there? Uh, yep. You know, I think probably he and Darnell Wright are, are probably your best two options on the right side right now. Uh, but which one's better at guard and which one's better at tackle? Well, what's the better combination there? Um, we'll, we'll see what they do there. Uh, and then I could think you could throw Spragans in that group too because I kind of want to see, you know, if they play him a little more or, or if he plays a little bit less now with Mays and his versatility mm-hmm. kind of being in there. That's one thing. Uh, number two, I, I want to see with um, with Tank McCullough having a full week, um, uh, you know, to, and kind of half of a game to get himself loose a little bit, have a few more practices. What does that do to the secondary rotation? Uh, you know, because because they play so much, and you talk about base defense, really almost a nickel is the base defense at this point against most teams. And, and so, what does that look like? What do they look like in nickel? What do they look like in dime? What do they look, what do they look like in base? Uh, does this allow Bryce Thompson to go stick to corner until he goes to money? Because I think that's probably a better fit for Tennessee if they can do it that way. That's that's number uh, two on my list. And I've also got down here. I want to see uh, the wide receiver receivers will they you know will are they going to keep relying on these seniors this much um and the upperclassmen or will they try to get the freshmen out there a little bit more and i think an extension of that is will they get some of the freshman running backs involved um because you can't just give the ball to two guys all season long especially in a covid year playing 10 sec games with only one bye week you're 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 gonna need more guys and they know that. So I think that, to me, is interesting. And I also want to see with uh, Darrell Middleton back and Aubrey Solomon having a full week maybe to get more wind underneath his sails and kind of get get back in shape a little bit. Um, will that change the way they look on the interior defensive line? Uh, because I, I feel like that's that's something that's – 
that's key for me uh, going forward for this team. Um, but the the last thing I got on this list, and it's one of the most important to me, uh, inside linebacker next to Toto, what do they do there? Uh, because those guys in pass coverage, I know Hank T had the the pick six, which is which was just an unbelievable play. Um, and Banks made a couple of pretty decent plays there in coverage. Overall, Tennessee's linebackers uh, against the pass, though, were not good against South Carolina. Uh, and, and Crouch, in particular, looked lost a couple times. So what do they do there uh, with Toto? Do, do they mix him? You know, Do they say, okay, Banks, you, you're maybe the better player right now, but you have to stop the post-play BS? Or do you say, Crouch, there's so much upside there, you're still going to get a bunch of snaps too. I, I wonder what they're going to do there because that, to me, is an area where they have to get better. Agreed. Uh, w- one other thing for offense on offense for me, I, I want to see what Eric Gray can do in this game. Uh, I, I think this is a big game for him to get going, going into the, the real meat of the SEC schedule with, with Georgia obviously coming up next week. because He did miss time, I, yeah. I, I mentioned this last week. You know, he got a lot of carries last week. He had 12 carries, I think, uh, for 40 yards and a touchdown. Okay day, average 3.3 yards a carry. Take away that 12-yard touchdown, only 11 for 28, though. And, and that's, like, when you look back at what he did last year, you know, his his numbers at the end of the year came against Indiana and Vanderbilt. You know, I mentioned before, I think that's the big thing he's got to show. Can he do it against top defenses in the SEC where, where he didn't play much last year in some of those games? And the ones he did, he wasn't very effective against the Floridas and the Georgias of the world. So can he get in there against a team like Missouri and continue what he did at the end of last season? If, he, if he's not putting up big numbers in this game, I, I worry a little bit about how he's going to stack up with the Georgias and the Floridas. And, and is he going to be that effective? Ch- Ty Chandler, I thought, had a really good game last week and was kind of the better, the better of the two backs. And that's going to go back and forth, I think, a little bit between those two this season. But if Eric Gray is going to kind of live up to that preseason hype to me, this is one of those games he's got to put up some numbers and, and sort of make up a little bit for, for what he's going to obviously face in some tougher defenses down the road. I, I did, in all honesty, I, I did pick uh, Eric Gray to be Tennessee's leading rusher. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Ty Chandler to be Tennessee's leading rusher this season. And, and mm-hmm. I did that not because, uh, not because of anything that I think negative about Gray at all. I was just bullish on Chandler because I think it, it's a chance for him this year to go out. And I know he could be a senior again next season, but there's only so many miles on the tires for a running back. So it might be smarter for him to go ahead and go if he thinks he has the opportunity. And I've always thought there was more to his game. I know he's so fast. I know if he gets to the open field, if he can make that guy miss more often, he could have a lot more splash plays. But I've always thought he was a more, he had the opportunity to be a better power runner than he has showed. And I think he added some – I don't know what his size is. He looks to be about 10, 12 pounds bigger than he was last season. He's playing stronger. I was just bullish on Chandler more than I was anything bad against Gray, although I did know that, that Gray missed some time during camp with COVID. Uh, I don't know if he – I don't know if he was a positive test or a quarantine, uh, you know, just a contact tracing issue. I don't know what it was, but I know he missed some time there. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I think you could see that in the first game. I think Gray's going to have some big games. I think he's going to have a bright future. I just I, – I like Chandler right now. I really do. I, I think he is a guy who's playing I, – I, I really think he's got a chip on his shoulder right now. And I think he's a guy who's going to go out there and surprise people and have a big year if he, yeah, stay, if he I, stays healthy. I, well, I, I think Jay Graham has been good for, for Ty Chandler, too. I think that's, that's been a good fit so far. And, and maybe Graham seeing some things or working on some things with Chandler that 
are going to help him this year. So I, I think, yeah, I, I'm buying Ty Chandler a little bit right now. But you know, well, again, I could see that changing week week to week. And uh, to me, you know, great. I, I was impressed by Gray's touchdown run last week. You know, he broke a couple tackles on that run. That was he, a nice play. He looked like Eric Gray on that run. Yeah, I mean, that, that's. Uh, I wasn't sure how much power he could add to his game, but if he can continue to do things like that in SEC play, that's that that bodes well for his future, obviously. But you know, he's he's always been kind of a shiftier guy, more more so than a run through you guy. So can can he keep up things like that and, and make those types of plays? So I I'll be really interested in seeing what this week is like for him. But either way, I think you've got to get that running game going because again, you've got Cade Mays now. You know, obviously people will be watching to see where he fits into the picture, and, and you know. I, my guess is right tackle to start the game, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see him at multiple spots in this game uh, as Tennessee kind of looks for their best combination maybe uh, and, and tries to experiment and get those guys in the game, Carvin, Darnell Wright. You, you don't want to move on from those guys, whoever's not starting. So they're all going to play, I think. So you got to figure that out, but you've got to get that run game going because it's got to be ready to go next week. Even if this is a game that you take care of business, you've got to have things absolutely firing on all cylinders next week against Georgia, a game that I think, among the bigger games on Tennessee's schedule, the marquee games, if there's one you could steal, to me it's Georgia because Georgia's still, as we saw last week, dealing a little bit with some quarterback uncertainty. You know, they've got a really good defense, I think, which makes it tough. But if there's one on the schedule where you maybe could sneak up and get one, get one of those big ones, it could be Georgia. So you got to be ready and, and have that, that run game firing on all cylinders because that's got to be a big part of your, your success. I think an SEC play with that offensive line you've got. And and that's been the game the past two years that has probably frustrated Jeremy Pruitt as much as anything because I feel like he, he has a lot of confidence usually or, or, or more confidence than you might imagine going into those games because mm-hmm. he and, and Kirby Smart, there's so much uh, familiarity there. And also with, with Jim Chaney, who, who knows – um, who knows those guys really well too. So, I mean, I, I think that that's been a game where the past two seasons, he has thought two years in a row, Tennessee could have put up a better fight in those games. So, uh, and, and then you'll have a guy like Cade Mays who will probably be out with blood in his eyes ready for that one. You, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that, that that is uh, a game where you're going to need to run the football, but if you're going to run the ball as much as Tennessee wants to run it, you're going to need more than two backs to do it. Um, yeah. That's going to be an issue. But before we move on, I will say that, that Pruitt does, and he mentioned this this week again, he, he considers guys like uh, Valus Jones Jr. also kind of part-time running backs because yeah. they can take some rocket sweeps. They can, they can do some wrinkles where they throw them some pitches and, and some pocket passes, and, you know, some little pop passes and stuff like that. They feel like those guys, um, the guys, especially Valus Jones Jr., but also Jimmy Holiday, uh, D. Beckwith, if he can get healthy, the different things he can do. They've got different ways in their running game to to make a wide receiver almost feel like a running back. So, and Jones is a guy with his strength and his speed and his ability to to kind of make guys miss at times. He, he's an intriguing option to to make some plays there. But bottom line is, you, you're going to have to have at some point. I don't know what position you consider Beckwith, um, whatever he is. He's just he, – I call him a uh, IDK. That's the position I say with him. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, that's how I would list him on the roster. But, um, you know, you're going to have to – at some point, you know, it's going to be three names that are going to have to – one of these guys is going to have to emerge before the end of the season, at, at, the, at, the, at the latest by the end of the season. Uh, yeah. Jabari Small, um, T. Hodge or maybe Laneith Whitehead, now that he's back with the scout team, maybe he can get healthy enough to do some stuff by the end of the season and get kind of his his win back coming off that foot injury. At some point, you're going to need one of those three guys. 
I think so too. And I, my, my money right now would be on Jabari small. He, he had the more normal preseason. And, and as Jeremy Pruitt said this week, you know, had the, had, had a good camp is how he said it. Um, so, so they like what they've seen from him. T Hodge was the one that obviously generated some buzz early in the summer, just with sort of his work ethic and what he showed in that way. But to, to me, Hodge, uh, Hodge, maybe not as, as flashy as, as small could be in some situations. I, I saw them both play in high school in person and, and thought small. Uh, I, he's got some versatility to his game that obviously like, like some of those other guys you mentioned, you know, can catch passes out of the backfield is bulked up more than people maybe realize over the past year. So I, I think he's, he's interesting to me and I, I would not be surprised if he's that guy who emerges as the third running back, but you're right. You got to have somebody, you can't get through an entire season in the sec relying on two guys. Uh, I think it is important to at least see what you have in one or two of those guys in this game and get them some carries, you know, hopefully late you can, you can have this game, uh, you know, be, be leading by more than seven on the final drive or something and maybe get those guys some late work trying to put this thing away or, 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 or preserve a 10 point lead or something like that. Get those guys some work at least at some point in this game. Famous last words, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, that's I completely agree with it, Ryan. Before we get out of here, uh, I do want to ask you about recruiting. I know that it's such an unusual year with recruiting, like it's an unusual year with everything else. I mean, it's there, there is yeah. nothing normal uh, about anything really that's going on right now. Um, so I'm just wondering the, the Braves, the Braves won a postseason series. How yeah, unusual first time in 10 years or 10, 10 tries. Uh, congratulations uh, to the Atlanta Braves. First series win since what, like 2002, uh, 2001, 2001. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's uh good, good, good for them. It's been a while and they got a good young team with a lot of talent. Um, maybe should have done more at the deadline, but another topic for another day. Uh, Ryan with Tennessee, with recruiting right now, I, I know it's, it's been a while. It seems like it's been forever since adding a commitment, basically since, you know, they added a billion commitments over the summer. Where are things with Tennessee's 2021 class? Uh, is there anything? I, I know there have been a couple guys they were maybe on the fringe for that they didn't get recently that committed other places. Uh, what's going on there, 2021 recruiting in general, in, in terms of the way things are trending and, and maybe some things to watch for in the next couple weeks? Yeah, we're, well, first of all, we're getting into the season, and and you know, obviously Tennessee didn't have a home game last week to host anybody. But what we what we'll kind of be watching for this week is, will, will they have some visitors on campus? And it looks like the answer is yes. Um, starting with the with the big name, uh, Amarius Mims, the five star offensive tackle from Georgia. He's been he's been at Tennessee uh, about as much as we have over the last couple months, and uh, yeah, true. has been. Has been up three times, I think, since since July, and uh, planning to make it in this weekend. He didn't specifically say for the game, but we believe he'll try to make it to the game. But that's one of the things to to watch this season. It's a dead period, so while prospects are not forbidden from making it to campuses to to do essentially whatever they want besides meet with coaches, um, they they can't. The schools cannot distribute tickets to the recruits like they can for say a neutral site game during a non dead period. You know, that when, when the battle at Bristol happened, Tennessee was allowed to give recruits tickets to those games mm-hmm. for free, True. even though they couldn't, even though it was off campus and they couldn't interact with players, then they could hand out tickets and you can obviously hand out tickets for home games during normal times. Well, this is a dead period. So you can't do that. And the NCAA decided to keep that aspect of the dead period in place. So you can't hand out tickets, even though we know some guys are, are still taking visits on their own. So, Men's plan to be back in town, but you know, at least we'll get to see Tennessee play. Probably we'll hang out with some players while he's in town, as he's done the last few times, and that that's probably going to be the last chance to get him on campus before he announces his decision on October 14. So 
again, even though not a traditional visit, an important one for Tennessee. We'll, we'll see. There's at least a chance he makes it back to Georgia next weekend. I know at one point that was the plan. He's now talking about going to Alabama maybe next weekend too. I don't know if he'll try to get him back-to-back trips that weekend before making his decision the following week, but he could be at Georgia next week. So he might get to see Tennessee play both of the next two weeks um, before making that decision. And obviously Georgia and Tennessee are thought to be two of the favorites, if not the front runners in that one. So that's obviously the, one of the big things to watch the next two weeks. Another guy closing in on a decision, Christian Zachary, a, a, an edge rusher from Georgia, the, uh, Carrollton, Georgia, that Tennessee's been in on for a long time. I like, I like uh, his film, by the way. I, I do like his film a good bit. Good-looking good player. Tennessee gave him his first SEC offer back in January and uh, you know, maybe hasn't generated as much buzz as some other, other, other targets, but I think it's been important to Tennessee for a while. He's announcing on October 15th, the day after Amarius Mims, that's looking like a Tennessee, Alabama, maybe Colorado kind of battle. You've got some other teams in there like Florida State and Missouri, but I think Tennessee and Alabama are maybe the ones in the best shape right now. We'll see where that goes the next couple of weeks, but he, he's not planning to take any more visits, it sounds like, uh, even just to, to go see a game anywhere. So that one's going to be all about, like a lot of these guys the last several months, just about phone calls and relationships. And I think Tennessee's done a good job there, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out the next two weeks. But those are the ne- kind of the next two decisions, we think, that are coming up on Tennessee's radar. Now, as you mentioned, a couple other guys that fell off the, off the board technically the last, uh, the last week or so. Deion Colsey, the wide receiver from Athens, yeah. Georgia, recommitted to, to Notre Dame. Tennessee was involved with him, certainly likes him, but he's never been on campus at Tennessee. Yeah, they offered him more than two years ago. And, and even though he's a former teammate of Laneith Whitehead, never made it up to Knoxville from, uh, from Athens. So strange deal that Tennessee never really was uh, had more traction in a way in, in that recruitment, but they were always in the picture. So uh, he picks Notre Dame again. And, uh, and Tennessee's still, you know, going to keep an eye on, on some other receivers, uh, receiver options out there like that. Um, even though he, you know, they're in, they're in good shape at that position with, you know, technically four commitments at wide receiver right now. So they're, they're okay there, but they're obviously going to keep an eye out for anybody else that might be, uh, available at that position. The other one that fell off the board recently, Diego pounds, offensive tackle from North Carolina. Great. They name. weren't te- such a great name for a lineman. And, and, and another good player that a guy whose stock really rose the past several months, uh, in fact, Tennessee ended up not being one of his finalists. They were in there pretty heavily for a while, but ended up being uh, North Carolina, Penn State, LSU, and Auburn at the end. And kind of a surprise, he, he uh, it flipped late on the crystal ball. Uh, a lot of people thought he was headed to Penn State, ends up going to North Carolina, which kind of came in late. Um, I think he always liked North Carolina, but that home state school didn't offer right away. He got sort of a late offer from them, and I think he was not really sure he wanted to go there at first, kind of felt slighted. Um, eventually though, the, the chance to stay home, uh, I think one out and, uh, and obviously big North Carolina. So a couple names that we've, we tracked for a while that are now off the board and, um, still plenty out there though. And, and lots to, to keep an eye on over the next several weeks. Uh, Nyland green, another big name still out there at cornerback, a top 100 prospect that Tennessee is heavily involved with. He's maybe looking at a, we'll, we'll see if he follows through on this, but maybe a late October decision, but certainly going to wait at least a few more weeks to do anything. Tennessee heavily involved there with Georgia and others, but mostly I think Tennessee and Georgia. So those are a few to watch as we, uh, as we get more into this season. And, and obviously we'll be, we will be updating you this weekend on Goval's 24 seven. If anybody else shows up on campus at Tennessee, they'll certainly take all the visitors they can get even in an atypical year, but certainly a Marius Mims, the headliner for 
for uh, for those unofficial unofficial visits they'll be having this weekend. And I'll give you one bit of advice here, guys. Go to Christian Zachary's profile on Twenty Four Seven Sports. There you can find it. Uh, there, if you go through our site at Go Boss Twenty Four Seven, go find his profile. Watch his most recent huddle film, and I think it's around the forty three or forty four second mark. Uh, there's a play where he's coming off the edge. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a five tech or whatever he's doing there, something off the edge. And uh, there's like a zone read play where, you know, the quarterback's figuring out, okay, am I going to put it in the running back's belly or just keep it? And he just like tackles both of them at the same time. And uh, (laughs) I'm like, that's my kind of dude right there. That's the dude. I like that. Give me more of that. Uh, There's a lot of things on his film too. I like the way he finishes. I I just think I like him as a player. I think he's a guy who could kind of be a sneaky good uh, get for anyone who gets him. Not that I'm a recruiting analyst because I'm not, but kid looks like a player, I think. So. Hey, Alabama's heavily involved there, so that's always uh, – Georgia's in the picture at least, even though they're not probably not one of the favorites. I don't know if they're pushing that hard, but Georgia's been in the picture there. So got some heavy hitters in there. I think no, no doubt he's a good player. and uh, People will look at that and say three-star, but he's on the very high end of that three-star spectrum. Would not be surprised at all if he ends up being ranked even a little higher by signing day. So that would be a, that'd be a pretty nice get, and, and Tennessee needs another edge rusher in this class. So that's why you see, you're seeing his name still – still popping up with Tennessee looking for more pass rushing help. I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. Guys, thanks, as always, for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also find all of us if you want Just Tennessee News. You can get that at Twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7. That's a just, the ma- just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts are Tennessee only. You can get that at Twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7. Or you can go to Facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7 uh, where we have tons of stuff going on in and, in and out the day there and uh and we guarantee that vladimir putin will not get in there so uh you get just tennessee news and sec news and sports news and some other fun stuff uh, but no putin we promise on our facebook page or if you want the best tennessee news on all of al gore's internets you want that delicious that just east tennessee mountain smoky mountain spring water right from the source go get that at goboss247.com the best place anywhere to get tennessee football news football recruiting news basketball news basketball recruiting news baseball news uh, you got lady ball sports with maria cornelius who does an awesome job uh, covering everything lady balls for us uh, you get all of that and more for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month that's all it costs and if you pay us that money you pay us full price, which, again, is a pretty darn good deal. You get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. All kinds of good shows on there, uh, not just stuff from CBS, even though every show CBS has ever done is on there. Uh, also, new movies in and out every month. Uh, you also get stuff, uh, live sports, SEC football, Tennessee football. Uh, you get other SC, uh, other college football. You get NFL football. Uh, you get uh, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. You get World Series of Poker stuff. All kinds of stuff on there. And on top of all that, you also get uh, access to every, a lot of stuff from Smithsonian, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, and Nickelodeon for the kiddos. So all of that included, included for free if you subscribe to us at GoWalls247.com. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us at some point after the game on Saturday night. Uh, unless anything happens before then, which is always possible. Because this is Tennessee, and this is 2020, and you put those things together and... Never know. See ya.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 